Hello and welcome to the Yay Yoga podcast. I'm Renee Liu. You may know me as a yoga teacher and today I'm the host of this podcast where I talk to the most inspiring teachers from around the world about their yoga journey. Today I am talking to Anna Scott Miller. She's an Amsterdam-based yoga teacher with an extensive background in both practicing and teaching movement. From a very young age she started practicing gymnastics and throughout the years her practice and teachings gained more and more focus on self-development. In this conversation we talk about Anna's self-practice, her teaching style and how she empowers students to explore their own needs and capabilities. I will put all important stuff in the show notes, so make sure to check that out on my website, yayyoga.nl. Anna, welcome to the show. Um, As we are recording this, it's the 23rd of June 2020, and we're both in Amsterdam. We are slowly coming out of this very mild version of a lockdown, and we are entering another interesting time with the Black Lives Matter demonstrations. Um, without getting too deep into the current situation, I do want to ask you, how do you experience these times? Oh, well, hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of information. And first it was, I was kind of privileged to enjoy this lockdown period in a very nice place and have a little bit more of my own bubble and more time for nature and connection with my husband, my best friend I was living with back there, and uh, and myself, of course. So that was really nice. And then, yeah, now it feels everything is, is starting again and you can feel that energy and that, I don't know, kind of like acceleration, but then also the whole movement with the Black Lives Matter. Yes, it's, I think it is very good that there is a change and I'm happy that maybe some people are waking up and becoming more conscious in you know, how, how the situation is. And um, I'm trying to mostly educate myself now in this period. So I'm, I'm feeling I'm, I'm researching. Yeah, that's how I feel right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, how do you see your role as a teacher in the Black Lives Matter um, situation? I saw that you are organizing a handstand workshop and you're donating um, to one of the organizations. I yes. Think. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So I feel yoga is really action. And I think teaching yoga makes me responsible for how do you say kind of educate people to realize where they are and um, that also if you are working towards well-being what we do you know with yoga you try to work towards well-being but it's not only well-being for yourself it's 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 the connection we aim with yoga with everyone which we try to see with everyone so i think we should work towards well-being for everyone and that includes every ethnicity every shape every color every um how do you say um expression of what we all part of so i think we are responsible as teachers to 
to make people realize that and not only talk about or work about those physical parts of yoga, which is often so um, popular, but really see it as that tool there is to become a nicer person for yourself and for the world and the people around you. So yeah, I think, I hope to help people realize to reflect and then being able to take action towards a nicer situation for everyone, more equal situation. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I really think it's very important. And, um, yeah, like you said that it's so important to start educating ourselves. And also if you have any recommendations for, um, maybe films or books maybe you can share that later and I can put it in the show notes that everyone can um, yeah research that as well yeah definitely that'd be nice cool um, let's dive into yoga my first question you actually answered it already kind of um, what is yoga to you in general not specifically in this situation yeah, well, so in general, for me, it's really personal development and a kind of connection to the greater good. Yeah, I would say that. The greater yeah. good, whatever that may be. If you want, want to keep it so, yeah, exactly, whatever it would make, whatever, you know, I always say, try to ground into the earth with my asana practice, and we all do, you know, we're all connected to that same earth we all share that same earth and yeah in some philosophies we're all made of made up from the same substance as well so yeah um i think that connection that what makes us all experiencing some of the same things in this life i think that's the the oneness or you know the universe or God, if you would like it, that is within you, but also around you. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. And can you tell us a bit about yourself and how yoga came on your path? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was always very physical and moving my body and always interested in people and how to use the physical body. So after high school I first went traveling just to see some different cultures or see some parts of the world and then I thought yeah well what I like most is to use my body and to kind of connect with people and for somehow always want to share what I experienced so I studied to become a physical education teacher so PE teacher a sports teacher and um I started working in educational world first with little children who had a disability of hearing and speaking and a lot of children with ADHD and autism were also part of that and then I got this opportunity to work for the higher school of Amsterdam so the HVA and I was teaching students there for about seven years which was really nice because we did not use the, um, the movement as the goal itself because it was for students who studied economics, but we used it as a tool for self 
development actually so I was also teaching personal development and we combined it so how you communicate with others you know when you're better in some kind of sports like basketball or something if you are really good so how do you communicate with the people who are not so good in your team and things like that so I really how to yeah the social skills what you also really need in those kind of jobs which was really awesome but during my studies I also got to yeah introduced with yoga I think first in a gym and then I was in my last year of college I was two months in the mountains of Breckenridge in the United States snowboarding which was really awesome and I got to know this woman there who was teaching power yoga and I went to her class all the time and it was really nice so when I was back in the Netherlands I was kind of searching for that but took a while to find something which I liked and then I think in 2010 I got to know my teacher Claudia Pradella and she had her own school back in Amsterdam West then and I did some Ashtanga with her and then I really wanted to do an education but I was still um, teaching full-time so it was a bit difficult so I did a a smaller power yoga education first was kind of like 100 hours how you can uh, translate it now and then I did summer intensive with yoga moves and I did a vinyasa training then and then I came back to my teacher and she was working now with delight and I started my miser practice so I started teaching and I started teaching a little bit less in the HVA and then it kind of like organically went a little bit, you know, more 50-50 and I noticed that my energy was going way more towards the yoga because it felt more that I could really talk about personal development. As in education world, we had to do the personal development all in the same time frame, all in the same way, while all the students were, of course, different. So it felt a little bit not really personal, but more, you know, for the statistics and um, had to be in this more frame, which did not really, yeah, how do you say, uh, align with me anymore. So then I took... A leap of faith and I quit my job which was kind of scary because it was a fixed contract very good benefits and yeah everything was you know like a golden gauge very well I was doing very well and then I all of a sudden was a freelancer and no holiday money no 13th month and things like that so it was kind of scary but at the same time I never felt more free and I traveled way more I did my 500 hours in Ashtanga with the light, with my teacher. And yeah, since then I've been teaching, practicing yoga only. (laughs) And how was it for you to um, quit your job? Um, Did you feel any regrets after quitting it or did it just feel like you chose the right, right path? Yeah, I never regretted it. I sometimes do miss the team I was working in. In yoga, of course, you are always teaching your own students and you're not really working together with someone else. 
But now I sometimes um, organize a retreat with a colleague or uh, the teacher trainings I do with other colleagues. So then you do have that connection. And I really like that because, yeah, I, I love that working together. So that island was sometimes a moment that I thought, ooh, I miss all that um, teamwork we did before in the HVA. But no, I never regretted it. Although I'm less rich in money, I'm more rich in time and uh, yeah, how I can experience. I think also I'm a nicer person now. I'm less stressed and uh, I'm nicer for my environment. So no, I never regretted it. But it was scary, definitely. <laughs> and um, a question that's um, quite related to... Uh, something a lot of young yoga teachers might struggle with and I'm curious what you think about it because when you go through your first teacher training you learn certain methods and um, obviously depending on the yoga style um, there are certain alignment rules um, when it comes to certain poses for instance when you're in uh, warrior one is a great example where some teachers uh, they will tell you to line the feet up and other teachers tell you to separate them as wide as the hips. Um, and I'm curious how you felt after doing several teacher trainings, because I think you did s different styles. Um, how do you, yeah, do you, first of all, do you recognize this problem and what can you advise young teachers on this specific issue yes what, yeah what is the truth is if there is something as the truth because we can talk about that for <laughs> hours <laughs> yeah well i think you can look at or look at it from different perspectives and that's why i'm really happy i had some vinyasa teachers who were ayengar inspired and i had of course a lot of uh, ashtanga teachers but i also did some yin yoga and i did some functional yoga and i think that's where my heart goes right now because the more i learn about anatomy and different bodies then i realize there's no one truth of how you should do a posture and the way I try to teach now is more to help the person explore what is the best version for their body, because we're all built differently and each and every bone is different, of course. Um, well, of course, not everyone knows, but if you look at bones, then you really even see in your own body, your right shoulder and your left shoulder are different. Every single bone is unique. So there's... We cannot say that, that that specific angle of 45 degrees of your back foot in Warrior One is the way to do it. And in Ashtanga, we say align the feet, which of course you can do. It's a bit more difficult for balance, but maybe then you cannot square the hips, which is not the goal of Ashtanga. So what they do is they kind of make... Um, a container so this is how you place your body and then the internal action is trying to bring the hips as square as possible but the rest you do with your chest and your shoulders so it depends on everybody how square the hips are you know it's just your feet are grounded but for some hips it's so much better if you for instance I always say it as the trem reels to bring the feet about hip width apart so the balance is more easy and it's uh, better to ground and to um, bring the hips square in most situations but 
then again, is, is it needed to square the hips in warrior one? I don't know, <laughs> maybe not, because it's quite nice that there is a little bit of an opening in the hips, because then there are some other muscles you, you engage and you lengthen, which you don't do, for instance, in a lunge where the hips are completely square. So yeah, you can look at it in different perspectives. And I always try to empower my students to choose what is best for their body. I hope I do. <laughs> And how do students find out what's best for them? Yeah, so I give options. So I try to cue, not in a way that this is how you have to place your body, but see if you can place your body this way so you can feel the stretch here and here. Can you feel your stretch here? If not, maybe try to change your feet. See if you can notice now a stretch, you know, things like that. So it's more like a self-discovery, you know, the swajaya, the what I always hope to to give more knowledge about your own body and therefore also, you know, about yourself. Basically what we're talking about here as well is how you develop your own teaching style. First of all, how would you describe your own teaching style and can you tell us a bit how you develop that uh, throughout the years? How would I describe it? Well, hopefully... Um, through breath and movement, getting to know yourself a bit more better, your body, and uh, also kind of what happens on the mat as a reflection of how you respond to situations off the mat. So hopefully I teach in a holistic way to empower my students and um, to help with yeah, realizing maybe opening their eyes for blind spots about themselves first and then maybe also in the world and how did I develop it yeah I think experience just really I'm always curious and I never like to think that I'm done learning so I'm always still doing trainings and workshops and I follow a few teachers and um, yeah experiment ask feedback those kind of things, yeah. <laughs> what teachers inspire I'm, you the most? Well, at the at the moment, um, I think Mark Roberts. He's my teacher. I travel to normally. I always go there in June, but not now. <laughs> and um, he's very progressive. So he's an Ashtangi, but he always uses other influences and styles and new knowledge and um, you know evaluation and evolving things in moving world also to to have a look on the effect of the bodies also he has experience of over 20 years of doing ashtanga so he knows his own experience and seeing in his students what it does if you always do the same and if you don't question why and if you have to do that and if that's good for everybody so i think it's a more healthy, more open approach to it as well. A more functional approach as well. And yeah, then I really like to follow also Jo Fee. She's a very inspiring teacher who teaches yin and a lot of anatomy and Maya fascia information about the other layers of the body, not only the muscles and the joints and the, and the bones. So yeah, that's 
I, I would say now my most inspiration, my two biggest inspirations. Yeah. Yeah. Do you follow their courses online now or um, how does that go with the current situation, COVID-19? Yeah, well, Jofi is really good online. She teaches every Sunday now a class with a yoga school in, in London via Zoom. So that's really good. So I can mm-hmm. follow her. Um, I was going to do a physical um, module with her, but I'm not sure if that's going on in the fall. So let's check. And Mark is not such a good person online. <laughs> he does a lot of things on his social media, but he also just became father. And um, no, he's he. I think he did like one let class only so far. But um, yeah, no, not I cannot really follow anything with him online now. But that's fine. I have there's also other things I can do. So Faya, you know, there's so much online now that there's a lot of things you can educate yourself with. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're talking a lot about Ashtanga. Is your self practice mostly Ashtanga? or are there other types of practices that you uh, do as well on a regular basis? Yeah, so my asana practice, physical practice is is mostly Ashtanga, yes. I became a little less rigid in that, so I think I'm now practicing about four to five times a week Ashtanga. And uh, then sometimes I do a little bit of a flow myself and uh, some yin as well. And then I also have a regular breathing practice and sitting practice. So, yeah, those are the... Is there like, um, do you have like certain daily routines, like morning rituals or evening routines? And can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. And for me, that is really helping because I'm kind of a a fata person. So sometimes all over the place. So that's why Ashtanga is also so good for me because it's grounding. So first thing in the morning, I uh, do some Kriya, some breathing exercise and some, um, yeah, Kriyas. It's kind of like a purifying it, you can, can it's like kaplabati you can call it a, a pranayama exercise but it's also a kriya it's and it's um and i also do nali uh, kriya which is kind of starting the day and emptying your belly sometimes i need to go to the toilet also and it that only takes about 20 minutes and then i start my asana practice and i end with a little bit of a sitting practice and sometimes, and that's not really in my daily ritual, but sometimes I do uh, after uh, lunch in the afternoon, I do a yin practice or a yoga nidra practice, something like that. But my, my morning practice is more solid. The other ones are more whenever I feel like. And yeah. is your morning practice something you do every day? Yes, I would say five times a week at least yes yeah is it how is it for you to have those days off or is there yeah what does a day off look like um when you wake up and you don't do your practice or will you still do some kind of ritual practice well i have at least one day that i just don't set my alarm and 
I will just see what time I wake up and, and then we just start with having nice breakfast and coffee together and, and just see where the day will go. So yes, there's at least one day I don't do anything <laughs> of my rituals. And yeah, I think the rest of the days are, are a bit of the same. Yeah. And is that easy for you to have the day without the ritual? Because like from my own experience, I really struggle with not doing anything at all. Like sometimes it feels like you need that that routine that to wake up and move the body otherwise I feel kind of like I'm not as if I'm not in my body so I'm just very curious to hear from you especially um, since you practice Ashtanga quite a bit which is quite rigid and like structure from what I, like I'm not an Ashtangi so I don't know but <laughs> I think it's a bit like that so I'm very curious how that is for you to skip a day yeah well i think that that's definitely changed over the years um there was there were definitely times that i was not easy how do you say it was not easy to not do anything or i felt guilty you know not to do anything mostly towards myself i think but now i can really enjoy it because also the practicing and especially now with the online teaching i mean the teaching also the teaching Uh, you really have to give a lot of examples. Even now, online Ashtanga teaching is, you have to do the whole practice yourself as well. So my body really needs it. Also, I, yeah, it sounds a bit stupid, but you know, I feel now that I um, recover less fast because I'm aging also a little bit. So I, need, I really need it so I can fully enjoy at least one day. And sometimes I notice that I need an extra day and I'll, I'll take it. So yeah, no, it doesn't feel bad anymore. And actually I now feel that I'm more in my body because of that. Or I just take a very soft and gentle practice. That's also possible that I do that. More, more focused even on the breathing and longer holds or those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you mentioned it already, like, Obviously, teaching online asks a lot of the body um, and the mind. Um, but in general, how do you find that balance between self-practice and teaching? Um, I think that's one thing we as teachers struggle with a lot. Yeah, well, so the most important thing uh, for me is not taking too many classes a week to teach. And I see that sometimes, especially when you just start with teaching, of course, you need it also for the money. Uh, but that's very interesting. Well, now it's a different time, but I think there's a lot of places that are expecting you to teach for a very small amount. So now I'm just saying no to those kind of things. Also because I have a first degree in teaching and I have now so many experience in teaching that I think I'm worth more than just, you know, those 25 euros they sometimes even offer you. So um, I try to not teach more than eight classes a week. And normally, if you, know, if you teach in a yoga school, I, I don't do the whole class. I'm more sometimes giving examples, especially for vinyasa, just to, know, to let people know where they have to get into, you know, which posture. And with Ashtanga, we never give any examples. 
purposely because uh, we don't want to give an example because then the um, how do you say the comparison will start and then you think that your body has to do the same as the body of the teacher while those two bodies are completely different so it's more about feeling what is needed in the body to connecting with that instead of how it has to look so um, yeah I'm not trying to do too much when I teach, so I'm cueing way more than giving examples, and that's how I always also help to keep the balance. Yeah, yeah. And um, you also started something that's quite new to me personally. It's called athletic flow. Am I right? Can yes. you explain <laughs> what that is and how you got into athletic flow? Yeah. So. Um, I was ambassador for Lululemon for two years and they organized this super nice summit for all their ambassadors and the first one was on an island close to London and it was really awesome. We had three days with all like-minded people and we did all this nice yoga and exercises and all those kind of things and I met two ambassadors there. It's a couple, Simon and Nora, they're from Switzerland. And they just developed their athletic flow. So I was kind of there with their first start of, of that. She's really a yogi and he, he, came, he comes from the high intensity training. He did high, high level tennis and boxing and those kind of sports really, you know, activating. And he's a very positive and motivational person. So they were kind of like the opposite of each other and they decided to create a workout really more focused on a workout so physical to combine both worlds and it's a it's a whole how do you say a full body workout but it's with a little bit of that yoga mindfulness in it so there are some moments that you really focus on the breath and he they really try to to bring more positivity lightness in it not too seriously so it's not all the whole philosophy of yoga but there is definitely some yoga parts in it so there's a high intensity part and then there's a yoga part and we do that for eight times so it's it's on off so you recover with the yoga with the breathing with the stretching and the balance and then you you go and uh, lift a heartbeat up again so it's 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 really fun it's it's more focused on a workout than yoga i would say <laughs> yeah and um how is that for you to teach a class like that um that's more kind of a fitness Class. Yeah, well, it's kind of nice um, because it connects me back to uh, before because I I forgot to say that, but I did have a period that I also worked as a personal trainer and a fitness trainer in a gym. And I, I really like to, to, to lift up that, you know, that energy and work out as well. And after a few years of only doing yoga, I felt that I was missing that part physically in my body. So just the resilience, more strength, more like jumping and um, yeah, really the heartbeat a little bit more like completely, you know, out of breath. So because in, in yoga, you're always controlled breathing, you know, so it's, it's different. I was missing that. 
So I kind of liked it because it challenged for myself to be a bit more fit that way uh, in order to be able to teach it. So yeah, it's nice. It's a different kind of audience, but it's also nice to have those people kind of uh, letting, to have a taste of the other world. So the high intensity people or the people who are more into fitness, maybe now they have a little bit of a taste of the breathing and the uh, the yoga practice, the more aware practice, and then the yogis have a little bit more of that challenge in the physicality. So, yeah, I really like it. Is it very similar to power yoga? Well, you could... Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> there are parts <laughs> of, of vinyasa in it, actually. You, would, you just see it, you have a, you have a high-intensity... Um, like for instance, we do some squat or squat jumps for about 100 seconds. So you really lift up the heart and you're kind of uh, having some lactate in the legs and you're completely dead. And then you do a nice flow from a lunge to um, uh, what's, let's say a figure four or something. Yeah, so you have some stretching, sl slow down the pace and have more time to breathe. And that's for about three minutes. And then you go again into a new exercise for the high intensity. Yeah. So it's more like vinyasa. So you move on the breath. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, you also have a background in gymnastics, am I right? Yes. How, how is that reflected in your teachings or in your, in your self-practice? Well, in my practice, I think when I started, it uh, really helped me for arm balances because I was used to do that. I was doing gymnastics from six years till 12 years, so I was quite young, but I did it quite intensely. I even had weeks of like 16 hours of training, so I did competition and those. Yeah, it was a pretty intense world. But it made me quite aware of what my body was capable of. So I had a, already quite some body awareness of what I could do, but less good in what I needed. So more pushy, you know, and, and I was always very competitive in sports. So yoga really helped me to listen to not what the ego wanted or trying to be better, but really to nourish more myself instead of... Um, pushing or forcing and I think I also try to teach that in my classes so it's good to challenge yourself and sometimes that's even you know also the ahimsa taking care of yourself means also to find those boundaries but it's good to not push yourself over a boundary or if you do that you learn so you can reflect so that's why an injury is always giving you a lot of information as well so for me, easy, easy in the beginning, especially in Ashtanga, were, were those jump throughs, uh, handstands, things that, you know, crow pose, all those kind of things that help you to lean on your arms. So the strength part was more easy. I had to work way more hard on the flexibility. And especially because after gymnastics, I did a lot of running and climbing. And the running made my hips uh, very stiff and um, the climbing also my shoulders and my back. So I really had to work on that. <laughs> still working on that. Uh. Uh, do you still run or climb? 
not as regularly anymore. Running is very, very occasionally. Actually, just this year, I started to do that occasionally again. I think I didn't do that for about four years. And climbing, yes, I'm getting into it again because I really miss it. And my body misses it too because yoga is only pushing. There's hardly any pulling. And I, I, I felt that I was a bit, um, how do you say, less balanced mus- muscular-wise and using the front to push a lot and not the back to pull. So, yeah, I'm, I'm getting back into it now when everything opens again. And I'm already working on my pull-ups and hanging. So, yeah, I do both. You have a little pull-up bar attached somewhere in your house. Yeah, it's not a bar, but it's, it's, we call it um, a hang board. So you have different kind of holds to train the fingers and to, to hang on, yes. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, i really like to hear from you what makes a great teacher. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I would say uh, I think a teacher would in yoga would be someone who also practices all the aspects of yoga. So everything that you practice, you can relate to, you can understand how that feels in the body, in the mind, in the breath, in the emotions. And uh, so lead by example, I would say is one of my favorite ones. And also one of my favorite expressions is be the change that you want to see so that is the same as lead an example actually so it's 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 doing it yourself and sharing whatever you know without having the attitude that you know everything but you kind of help people guide you can help people mirror themselves and so that's why sometimes it can even be not so nice you know I I have that also with my own teacher sometimes I was really like she's not nice to me but it did help me a lot um yeah allowing the person to explore their own needs and capabilities and trying to empower your students I would say yeah yeah beautiful We're almost at the end of our conversation and I want to end with some rapid fire questions so you can just quickly answer them. Um, Yeah, and and don't overthink it. Okay. I think (laughs) that's fine. Um, What is the best advice someone ever gave to you? Mm, Not too seriously. (laughs) Don't take it too seriously. You're not Seriously. leaving here alive anyway. So, yeah. I think that's also reflected in your classes. Huh. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what advice do you have for yoga teachers that are just starting out and are listening to this podcast right now? Allow yourself to grow and learn and make mistakes. So don't feel that you have to be perfect or that you have to know everything. Just share what you know and try to learn with your students. And they will love you for that. And they will also give you that feedback back. I know. Yeah. Which book should be on everyone's bookshelf? It doesn't have to be yoga related. 
well, the first book in mind was the Bhagavad Gita, but find one that relates to you because I think it's it's awesome and it's wonderful. Woo, um, not yoga related. Uh, it can be yoga related. Yeah. Well, well, then I would say the Bhagavad Gita for sure. Yeah. And then I just read one book which is really nice, and that's the Authenticity Project, which I would advise also. It's very nice and easy read, so it's really nice. And um, who is the author? Oh, I have to look that up. I will come back okay, to you. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes yeah. later. <laughs> who or what inspires you the most? I would say very cheesy, but I think it's my husband, as he is someone who can really focus on the thing he's working on. And he's not fussing or stressing over things that he cannot control. So he's kind of like a yogi without practicing yoga. So I think he would be the one. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. What are you most grateful for today? Ah, for being able to, to share this practice, for living in a nice house, for feeling free, for being loved and having loved ones around me. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Last question. Who do you think I should speak to next? I already told you, <laughs> Jelani, <laughs> Jelani, because he's such a super positive person. He really inspired me. I was, I was allowed to teach him, I think, the first uh, introduction to yoga for him, his first module of teacher training. And um, I also learned so much about him, uh, from him, actually about him and from him. And especially in these times where I think we need to create a more connection, especially in the yoga wild, white yoga world, that it's good to have someone with color who is so positive and has such a nice experience in this life already or interesting experience in this life. Yeah, so definitely suggest him. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for your time and all your inspiring words um if people want to follow you or know more about you where can they best go to start yeah. your instagram or yeah it's very easy everything is just my name <laughs> so it's just anna scott miller yoga on instagram or anna scott miller.nl is my fa my uh, uh website on facebook same yeah okay we'll put it in the show notes as well good Thank you so much for this Thank interview. You. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Um, Thank you for asking yeah. me. I feel honored. <laughs> Yay. We, uh, we will meet soon on the mat again. Yay. Sounds good. <laughs> and that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes at yayoga.nl slash podcast and if you like this show please show your support by hitting that subscribe button in your podcast app give us a high rating and share this episode with someone who might be interested as well you can also follow me on instagram at renee leo that's r-e-n-e-e-l-e-e-u-w i'd love to connect with you namaste